3. Estes. They are to be seen in Rome, in the Baths of Titus, the Vatican, Livia's Villa, Farnesina, Rospigliusi, and Barberini Palaces, Baths of Caracalla, Capitoline and Lateran Museums, in the houses of excavated Pompeii, and the Naples Museum. Besides these there are examples of Roman fresco and distemper in the Louvre and other European museums. Examples of Etruscan painting are to be seen in the Vatican, Cortona, the Louvre, the British Museum and elsewhere. Chapter IV. Italian Painting. Early Christian and Medieval Period. 2001250. Books Recommended. Bayet. Lord Bizonin, Bennett. Christian Archaeology. Bozio. Lorona Sauterania. Burkhardt. The Ciceroni. An Art Guide to Painting in Italy. Education by Crow, Crow and Cabal Gazelle. New History of Painting in Italy. De Rossi. Lorona Sauterania Christiana. De Rossi. Bulletino di Archeologia Christiana, Didron. Christian Iconography, Eastlake Cougars. Handbook of Painting the Italian Schools, Gerusi. Storia dell'Arte Christiana, Gerspach. La Mosaic, La Finestre. La Painture Italian, Lanzi. History of Painting in Italy, Licoe de la Marche. Els Manuscripts at La Miniature, Lindsay. Sketches of the History of Christian Art, Martini. Dictionnaire des Antiques Crediens, Perit. Alcelogi Credian, Reber. History of Medieval Art, Real. Poetry of Christian Art, Lee Fabi. Medieval Art, Smith and Chetham. Dictionary of Christian Antiquities. Rise of Christianity, out of the decaying civilization of Rome sprang into a life that remarkable growth known as Christianity. It was not welcomed by the Romans. It was scoffed at, scourged, persecuted, and, at one time, nearly exterminated but its vitality was stronger than that of its persecutor. And when Rome declined, Christianity utilized the things that were Roman, while striving to live for ideas that were Christian. There was no revolt, no sudden change. The Christian idea made haste slowly, and at the start it was weighed down with many paganisms. The Christians themselves in all save religious faith, were Romans, and inherited Roman tastes, manners, and methods. But the Roman world, with all its classicism and learning, was dying. The decline socially and intellectually was with the Christians as well as the Romans. There was good reason for it. The times were out of joint, and almost everything was disorganized, worn out, decadent. The military life of the empire had begun to give way to the monastic and feudal life of the church. Quarrels and wars between the powers kept life at fever heat. In the 5th century came the importing of the Goths and Huns and with them the sacking and plunder of the land, misery and squalor, with intellectual blackness, succeeded, art, science, literature, and learning degenerated to mere shadows of their former selves, and a semi-barbarism reigned for five centuries, during all this dark period Christian painting struggled on in a feeble way, seeking to express itself, it started Roman in form, method, and even, at times, in subject, it ended Christian but not without a long period of gradual transition, during which it was influenced from many sources and underwent many changes. Art motives, as in the ancient world, there were two principal motives for painting in early Christian times religion and decoration. Religion was the chief motive, but Christianity was a very different religion from that of the Greeks and Romans. The Hellenistic faith was a worship of nature, a glorification of humanity, an exaltation of physical and moral perfections. It dealt with the material and the tangible, and Greek art appealed directly to the sensuous and earthly nature of mankind. The Hebraic faith or Christianity was just the opposite of this. 
it decried the human, the flesh, and the worldly, it would have nothing to do with the beauty of the surf, its hopes were centered upon the life hereafter, the teaching of Christ was the humility and the abasement of the human in favor of the spiritual and the divine, where Hellenism appealed to the senses, Hebraism appealed to the spirit, in art the fine athletic figure, or, for that matter, any figure, was an abomination, the early church fathers opposed it, it was forbidden by the mosaic decalogue and savored of idolatry, but what should take its place in art, how could the new Christian ideas be expressed without form, symbolism came in but it was insufficient, a party in the church rose up in favor of more direct representation, art should be used as an engine of the church to teach the Bible to those who could not read, this argument held good, and notwithstanding the opposition of the iconoclastic party painting grew in favor, it lent itself to teaching and came under ecclesiastical domination, as it left the nature of the classic world and loosened its grasp on things tangible it became feeble and decrepit in its form, while it grew in sentiment and religious fervor it lost in bodily vigor and technical ability, for many centuries the religious motive held strong, and art was the servant of the church, it taught the Bible truths, but it also embellished and adorned the interiors of the churches, all the frescoes, mosaics, and altarpieces had a decorative motive in their coloring and setting, the church building was a house of refuge for the oppressed, and it was made attractive not only in its lines and proportions but in its ornamentation, hence the two motives of the early work religious teaching and decoration, subjects and technical methods, there was no distinct Judaic or Christian type used in the very early art, the painters took their models directly from the Roman frescoes and marbles, it was the classic figure and the classic costume, and those who produced the painting of the early period were the degenerate painters of the classic world, the figure was rather short and squat, coarse in the joints, hands, and feet, and almost expressionless in the face, Christian life at that time was passion strung, but the faces in art do not show it, for the reason that the Roman frescoes were the painter's model, not the people of the Christian community about him, there was nothing like a realistic presentation at this time, the type alone was given, in the drawing it was not so good as that shown in the Roman and Pompeian frescoes, there was a mechanism about its production, a copying by unskilled hands, a negligence or an ignorance of form that showed everywhere, the coloring, again, was a conventional scheme of flat tints in reddish browns and bluish greens, with heavy outline bands of brown, there was little perspective or background, and the figures in panels were separated by vines, leaves, or other ornamental division lines, some relief was given to the figure by the brown outlines, light and shade was not well rendered, and composition was formal, the great part of this early work was done in fresco after the Roman formula, and was executed on the walls of the catacombs, other forms of art showed in the gilded glasses, in manuscript illumination, and, later, in the mosaics, technically the work begins to decline from the beginning in proportion as painting was removed from the knowledge of the ancient world, about the 5th century the figure grew heavy and stiff, a new type began to show itself, the Roman toga was exchanged for the long liturgical garment which had the proportions of the body, the lines grew hard and dark, a golden nimbus appeared about the head, and the patriarchal in appearance came into art, the youthful Orphic face of Christ changed to a solemn visage, with large, round eyes, saint-like beard, and melancholy air, the classic qualities were fast disappearing, Eastern types and elements were being introduced through Byzantium, Oriental ornamentation, gold embossing, rich color were doing away with form, perspective, light and shade, and background, 
The color was rich and the mechanical workmanship fair for the time, but the figure had become paralytic. It shrouded itself in a sack-like brocade gown, had no feet at times, and instead of standing on the ground hung in the air, facial expression ran to contorted features. Holiness became moroseness, and sadness sulkiness. The flesh was brown, the shadows green-tinted, giving an unhealthy look to the faces. Add to this the gold ground a Persian inheritance, the gilded highlights the absence of perspective, and the composing of groups so that the figures looked piled one upon another instead of receding, and we had the style of painting that prevailed in Byzantium and Italy from about the 9th to the 13th century. Nothing of a technical nature was in its favor except the rich coloring and the mechanical adroitness of the fitting. Early Christian painting, the earliest Christian painting appeared on the walls of the catacombs in Rome. These were decorated with panels and within the panels were representations of trailing vines leaves, fruits, flowers, with birds and little genii or cupids, it was painting similar to the Roman work, and had no Christian significance though in a Christian place, not long after, however, the desire to express something of the faith began to show itself in a symbolic way, the cups and the vases became marked with the fish, because the Greek spelling of the word, ichthus, gave the initials of the Christian confession of faith, the paintings of the shepherd bearing a sheep symbolized Christ and his flock, the anchor meant the Christian hope, the phoenix immortality, the ship the church, the cock watchfulness, and so on. And at this time the decorations began to have a double meaning. The vine came to represent the eye and the vine, and the birds grew longer wings and became doves, symbolizing pure Christian souls. It has been said this form of art came about through fear of persecution, that the Christians hid their ideas in symbols because open representation would be followed by violence and desecration. Such was hardly the case. The emperors persecuted the living, but the dead and their sepulchres were exempt from sacrilege by Roman law. They probably used the symbol because they feared the Roman figure and knew no other form to take its place. But symbolism did not supply the popular need, it was impossible to originate an entirely new figure, so the painters went back and borrowed the old Roman form. Christ appeared as a beardless youth in Phrygian costume. The Virgin Mary was a Roman matron and the apostles looked like Roman senators wearing the toga. Classic story was also borrowed to illustrate Bible truth. Hermes carrying the sheep was the good shepherd. Psyche discovering Cupid was the curiosity of Eve. Ulysses closing his ears to the sirens was the Christian resisting the tempter. The pagan Orpheus charming the animals of the wood was finally adopted as a symbol, or perhaps an ideal likeness of Christ. Then followed more direct representation in classic form and manner. The Old Testament prefiguring and emphasizing the New. Jonah appeared cast into the sea and cast by the whale on dry land again as a symbol of the New Testament resurrection, and also as a representation of the actual occurrence. Moses striking the rock symbolized life eternal, and David slaying Goliath was Christ victorious. The chronology of the catacombs painting is very much mixed, but it is quite certain there was degeneracy from the start. The cause was neglect of form, neglect of art as art mechanical copying instead of nature study, and finally, the predominance of the religious idea over the forms of nature, with Constantine Christianity was recognized as the national religion, Christian art came out of the catacombs and began to show itself in illuminations, mosaics, and church decorations, notwithstanding it was now free from restraint it did not improve, church traditions prevailed, sentiment bordered upon sentimentality, and the technique of painting passed from bad to a worse, the decline continued during the 6th and 7th centuries, 
allowing somewhat perhaps to the influence of Byzantium and the introduction into Italy of Eastern types and elements. In the 8th century the iconoclastic controversy broke out again in fury with the Edict of Leo the Isaurian. This controversy was a renewal of the old quarrel in the Church about the use of pictures and images. Some wished them for instruction in the Word, others decried them as leading to idolatry. It was a long quarrel of over a hundred years duration, and a deadly one for art. When it ended, the artists were ordered to follow the traditions, not to make any new creations, and not to model any figure in the round. The nature element in art was quite dead at that time, and the order resulted only in diverting the course of painting toward the unrestricted miniatures and manuscripts. The native Italian art was crushed for a time by this new ecclesiastical burden. It did not entirely disappear, but it gave way to the stronger, though equally restricted art that had been encroaching upon it for a long time the art of Byzantium. BYZA and Iani painting, Constantinople was rebuilt and rechristened by Constantine a Christian emperor, in the year 328 AD, it became a stronghold of Christian traditions, manners, customs, art, but it was not quite the same civilization as that of Rome and the West, it was bordered on the South and East by Oriental influences, and much of Eastern thought, method, and glamour found its way into the Christian community, the artists thought this influence, stickling a long time for the severer classicism of ancient Greece, for when Rome fell the traditions of the old world centered around Constantinople, but classic form was ever being encroached upon by oriental richness of material and color. The struggle was a long but hopeless one, as in Italy, form failed century by century, when, in the 8th century, the iconoclastic controversy cut away the little Greek existing in it. The oriental ornament was about all that remained. There was no chance for painting to arise under the prevailing conditions. Free artistic creation was denied the artist. An advocate of painting at the Second Nicene Council declared that, it is not the invention of the painter that creates the picture, but an inviolable law of the Catholic Church. It is not the painter but the Holy Fathers who have to invent and dictate. To them manifestly belongs the composition. To the painter only the execution. Painting was in a straitjacket. It had to follow precedent and copy what had gone before in old Byzantine patterns. Both in Italy and in Byzantium the creative artist had passed away in favor of the skilled artisan the repeater of time-honored forms or colors. The workmanship was good for the time, and the coloring and ornamental borders made a rich setting, but the real life of art had gone. A long period of heavy, morose, almost formless art, eloquent of medieval darkness and ignorance, followed. It is strange that such an art should be adopted by foreign nations, and yet it was. Its bloody crucifixions and morbid Madonnas were well fitted to the dark view of life held during the Middle Ages, and its influence was widespread and of long duration. It affected French and German art. It ruled at the North, and in the East it lives even to this day. That it strongly affected Italy is a very apparent fact. Just when it first began to show its influence there is matter of dispute. It probably gained a foothold at Ravenna in the 6th century, when that province became a part of the Empire of Justinian. Later it permeated Rome, Sicily, and Naples at the south, and Venice at the north. With the decline of the early Christian art of Italy this richer, and in many ways more acceptable, Byzantine art came in and, with Italian modifications, usurped the field. It did not literally crush out the native Italian art, but practically it superseded it, or held it in check, from the 9th to the 12th century. After that the corrupted Italian art once more came to the front. 
early Christian and Byza and Iani remains, the best examples of early Christian painting are still to be seen in the catacombs at Rome, mosaics in the early churches of Rome, Ravenna, Naples, Venice, Constantinople, sculptures, ivories, and glasses in the Lateran, Ravenna, and Vatican museums, illuminations in Vatican and Paris libraries, almost all the museums of Europe, those of the Vatican and Naples particularly, have some examples of Byzantine work. The older altarpieces of the early Italian churches date back to the medieval period and show Byzantine influence. The altarpieces of the Greek and Russian churches show the same influence even in modern work. Chapter The Italian Painting Gothic Period 1250-1400 Books recommended, as before. Burkhardt, Crow and Cattle Gazelle, Eastlake, Lothanester, Lanzi, Lindsay, Redber, also Byrne. Catalogue of Pictures in the National Gallery. London and Abridged Edition, Cartier, by de Fra Angelico, Forster, Ribbon and Worky de Fra Angelico, Habic, Vaidmecum pour la Painture Italienne de Saint-Chens Maitres, Lacroix, Els Arts au Moyen-Age et l'Epoque de la Renaissance, Mance, L. Chefs d'Ouvre de la Painture Italienne, Morelli, Italian Masters in German Galleries, Morelli, Italian Masters, Critical Studies in Their Works, Rumor, Italianiski for Schungen, Selinkert, Giotto, Stillman, Old Italian Masters, Vasari, Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Consult Also General Bibliography PXV, Signs of the Awakening, It would seem at first as though nothing but self-destruction could come to that struggling, praying, throat-cutting population that terrorized Italy during the medieval period. The people were ignorant, the rulers treacherous, the passions strong, and yet out of the dark ages came light. In the 13th century the light grew brighter but the internal dissensions did not cease. The Hohenstaufen power was broken. The imperial rule in Italy was crushed. Pope and emperor no longer warred each other, but the cries of Guelph and Ghibelline had not died out. Throughout the entire Romanesque and Gothic periods 1400 Italy was torn by political wars, though the free cities, through their leagues of protection and their commerce, were prosperous. A commercial rivalry sprang up among the cities. Trade with the East manufactures, banking, all flourished, and even the philosophies, with law, science, and literature, began to be studied, the spirit of learning showed itself in the founding of schools and universities, Dante, Petrarch, and Boccaccio, reflecting respectively religion, classic learning, and the inclination toward nature, lived and gave indication of the trend of thought, finally the arts, architecture, sculpture, painting, began to stir and take upon themselves new appearances, subjects and methods, in painting, though there were some portraits and allegorical scenes produced during the Gothic period, the chief theme was Bible story, the church was the patron, and art was only the servant, as it had been from the beginning, it was the instructor and consoler of the faithful, a means whereby the church made converts, and in adornment of wall and altar, it had not entirely escaped from symbolism. It was still the portrayal of things for what they meant, rather than for what they looked. There was no such thing then as art for art's sake. It was art for religion's sake. The demand for painting increased, and its subjects multiplied with the establishment at this time of the two powerful orders of Dominican and Franciscan monks. The first exacted from the painters more learned and instructive work, the second wished for the crucifixions, the martyrdoms, the dramatic deaths, wherewith to move people by emotional appeal. To offset this the ultra-religious character of painting was encroached upon somewhat by the growth of the painter's guilds, 
and art production largely passing into the hands of laymen. In consequence painting produced many themes, but, as yet, only after the Byzantine style, the painter was more of a workman than an artist. The church had more use for his fingers than for his creative ability. It was his business to transcribe what had gone before. This he did, but not without signs here and there of uneasiness and discontent with the pattern. There was an inclination toward something truer to nature, but, as yet, no great realization of it. The study of nature came in very slowly, and painting was not positive in statement until the time of Giotto and Lorenzetti. The best paintings during the Gothic period were executed upon the walls of the churches in fresco. The prepared color was laid on wet plaster, and allowed to soak in. The small altar and panel pictures were painted in distemper, the gold ground and many Byzantine features being retained by most of the painters, though discarded by some few. Changes in the type, etc. The advance of Italian art in the Gothic age was an advance through the development of the imposed Byzantine pattern. It was not a revolt or a starting out anew on a wholly original path. When people began to stir intellectually the artists found that the old Byzantine model did not look like nature. They began, not by rejecting it, but by improving it, giving it slight movements here and there, turning the head, throwing out a hand, or shifting the folds of drapery. The eastern type was still seen in the long pathetic face, oblique eyes, green flesh tints, stiff robes, thin fingers and absence of feet, but the painters now began to modify and enliven it. More realistic Italian faces were introduced. Architectural and landscape backgrounds encroached upon the Byzantine gold grounds. Even portraiture was taken up. This looks very much like realism, but we must not lay too much stress upon it. The painters were taking notes of natural appearances. It showed in features like the hands, feet, and drapery, but the anatomy of the body had not yet been studied and there is no reason to believe their study of the face was more than casual, nor their portraits more than records from memory. No one painter began this movement. The whole artistic region of Italy was at that time ready for the advance, that all the painters moved at about the same pace, and continued to move at that pace down to the 15th century, that they all based themselves upon Byzantine teaching, and that they all had a similar style of working is proved by the great difficulty in attributing their existing pictures to certain masters, or even certain schools. There are plenty of pictures in Italy today that might be attributed to either Florence or Siena, Giotto or Lorenzetti, or some other master, because though each master and each school had slight peculiarities, yet they all had a common origin in the art traditions of the time. Florentine School, Cimadua 1240-1302 seems the most notable instance in early times of a Byzantine educated painter who improved upon the traditions. He has been called the father of Italian painting, but Italian painting had no father. Cimadua was simply a man of more originality and ability than his contemporaries, and departed further from the art teachings of the time without decidedly opposing them. He retained the Byzantine pattern, but loosened the lines of drapery somewhat, turned the head to one side, infused the figure with a little appearance of life. His contemporaries elsewhere in Italy were doing the same thing, and none of them was any more than a link in the progressive chain. Cimadua's pupil, Giotto 1266-1337, was a great improver on all his predecessors because he was a man of extraordinary genius. He would have been great in any time, and yet he was not great enough to throw off wholly the Byzantine traditions. He tried to do it. He studied nature in a general way, changed the type of face somewhat by making the jaw squarer, 
and gave it expression and nobility, to the figure he gave more motion, dramatic gesture, life, the drapery was cast in broader, simpler masses, with some regard for line, and the form and movement of the body were somewhat emphasized through it, in methods Giotto was more knowing, but not essentially different from his contemporaries, his subjects were from the common stock of religious story, but his imaginative force and invention were his own, bound by the conventionalities of his time he could still create a work of nobility and power, he came too early for the highest achievement, he had genius, feeling, fancy, almost everything except accurate knowledge of the laws of nature and art, his art was the best of its time, but it still lacked, nor did that of his immediate followers go much beyond it technically, Tadio Gadi 1400-1466, was Giotto's chief pupil, a painter of much feeling, but lacking in the large elements of construction and in the dramatic force of his master, Agnolo Gadi 1433-1496, Antonio Veneziano 1412-1488, Giovanni di Milano Fluid 1466, Andrea di Firenze Fluid 1477, were all followers of the Giotto methods, and were so similar in their styles that their works are often confused and erroneously attributed. Giottino 1424, 1457, was a supposed imitator of Giotto, of whom little is known. Orchigna 1429, 1476, still further advanced the Giottesque type and method. He gathered up and united in himself all the art teachings of his time. In working out problems of form and indelicacy and charm of expression he went beyond his predecessors. He was a many-sided genius, knowing not only in a matter of natural appearance, but in color problems, in perspective, shadows, and light. His art was further along toward the Renaissance than that of any other jaw task. He almost changed the character of painting and yet did not live near enough to the 15th century to accomplish it completely. Spinello Artno 1432, 1410, was the last of the great Giotto followers. He carried out the teachings of the school in technical features, such as composition, drawing, and relief by color rather than by light. But he lacked the creative power of Giotto. In fact, none of the Giottes can be said to have improved upon the master, taking him as a whole. Toward the beginning of the 15th century the school rather declined. Essayan and Yesi school, the art teachings and traditions of the past seemed deeper rooted at Siena than at Florence. Nor was there so much attempt to shake them off as at Florence. Giotto broke the immobility of the Byzantine model by showing the draped figure in action. So also did the Sienese to some extent. But they cared more for the expression of the spiritual than the beauty of the natural. The Florentines were robust, resolute even a little coarse at times, the Sienese were more refined and sentimental, their fancy ran to sweetness of face rather than to bodily vigor, again, their art was more ornate, richer in costume, color, and detail than Florentine art, but it was also more finical and narrow in scope, there was little advance upon Byzantinism in the work of Guido di Siena Fluid 1275, even Dutch 1260, the real founder of the Sienese school, retained Byzantine methods and adopted the school subjects, but he perfected details of form, such as the hands and feet, and while retaining the long Byzantine face, gave it a melancholy tenderness of expression, he possessed no dramatic force, but had a refined workmanship for his time a workmanship perhaps better, all told, than that of his Florentine contemporary, Cimadua, Simon di Martino 1283, 1344, changed the type somewhat by rounding the form. His drawing was not always correct, 
but in color he was good and in detail exact and minute. He probably profited somewhat by the example of Giotto. The Sienese who came the nearest to Giotto's excellence were the brothers Ambrogio Fluid 1342 and Pietro Fluid 1350 Lorenzetti. There is little known about them except that they worked together in a similar manner. The most of their work has perished, but what remains shows an intellectual grasp equal to any of the age. The Siena frescoes by Ambrogio Lorenzetti are strong in facial character, and some of the figures, like that of the white robe piece, are beautiful in their flow of line. Lippo Memi. 1356, Bartolo di Fredi 1330-1410, Taddeo di Bartolo 1360-1422, were other painters of the school, the late men rather carried detail to excess, and the school grew conventional instead of advancing, transition painters, several painters, Starnina 1354-1413, Gentile di Fabriano 1460-1440, Fra Angelico 1487-1455, have been put down in art history as the makers of the transition from Gothic to a Renaissance painting. They hardly deserve the title. There was no transition. The development went on. And these painters, coming late in the 14th century and living into the 15th, simply showed the changing style, the advance in the study of nature and the technique of art. Starnina's work gave strong evidence of the study of form, but it was no such work as Masaccio's. There is always a little of the past in the present and these painters showed traces of Byzantinism in details of the face and figure, in coloring, and in gold embossing. Gentile had all that nicety of finish and richness of detail and color characteristic of the Sienese. Being closer to the Renaissance than his predecessors he was more of a nature student. He was the first man to show the effect of sunlight in landscape, the first one to put a gold sun in the sky. He never, however, outgrew Gothic methods and really belongs in the 14th century. This is true of Fra Angelico. Though he lived far into the early Renaissance he did not change his style and manner of work in conformity with the work of others about him. He was the last inheritor of the Giottesque traditions. Religious sentiment was the strong feature of his art. He was behind Giotto and Lorenzetti in power and in imagination, and behind Orcagna as a painter. He knew little of light, shade, perspective, and color, and in characterization was feeble, except in some late work. One face or type answered him for all classes of people a sweet, fair face, full of divine tenderness. His art had enough nature in it to express his meanings, but little more. He was preeminently a devout painter, and really the last of the great religionists in painting. The other regions of Italy had not at this time developed schools of painting of sufficient consequence to mention. Principal works, Florentine's Cimadua, Madonna's SM Novella and Acad, Florence. Frescoes Upper Church of Assisi, Giotto, Frescoes Upper and Lower Churches Assisi, Best Work Arena Chapel Padua, Bardi and Perazzi Chapels Ascros, Injured Frescoes Bargello Florence, Tadio Gaddi, Frescoes Entrance Wall Baroncelli Chapel Ascros, Spanish Chapel SM Novella Designed by Gaddi, Agnolo Gaddi Frescoes and